Well, at least Providence didn't win the Big East tournament, I guess. This is Top Dogs with Rob Doss from the Field of 68 Media Network. The Big East tournament came in, went last weekend, and while it was unbelievable to be back in that building and be back in that environment and to be back in that tournament, the way that it ended was not exactly what we were hoping for. UConn lost to the eventual Big East tournament champs, Villanova, 63-60, and it was something of a tale as old as time with this group. Missed chances and missed opportunities, and it's frustrating to go back over it in my mind again, but uh, I guess I have to for the content. Uh, it was Andre Jackson's missed dunk in the first half, the three where Tyler Polly may or may not have stepped out of bounds. Adama Sonogo's four missed layups in the second half, the dunk that Tyrese Martin had blocked, uh, the alley-oop and transition that Andre tried to throw Adama. Uh, I, I said it before the tournament started, that the downfall of this group is going to be something that feels self-inflicted and self-inflicted mistakes. And that unfortunately turned out to be true. But honestly, like, whatever. I don't want to nitpick what specifically happened in that game. It was disappointing not to be able to see UConn win a Big East tournament title. Uh, But the truth is this. They played well enough to win that game. If you're going to tell me that UConn's chance of beating Villanova is going to hinge on Adama Sinogo, who is a finalist for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award, who is the best center in college basketball. Um, I'm sorry, who is a finalist for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award as the best center in college basketball in a year where there are two centers on first-team All-America, and one of them is not Hunter Dickinson. If it's going to rely on him making two of the four bunnies that he missed, I would take that in a heartbeat. The shots didn't go in. It happens. This is college basketball. All that we can ask of this group is for them to do exactly what they did on Friday night. They played their fucking asses off. There was no question of effort or of desire. They competed like crazy. Um, There were a couple times it looked like Villanova had put that game to bed. And and UConn made a run and eventually lost in a dogfight by three points to the best and most successful program in the Big East over the last decade and arguably the best and most successful program in college basketball over the last six years. Villanova is better than UConn right now. But this thing that Danny Hurley is building, I I mean, it's trending in the direction that we want it to be trending. As John Rothstein would say, buy stock now. But... There's so much more to talk about here than just the outcome of that game. If you were there, if you were at Legends before the games, or you were at Mark D'Amelio's party before the games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This was the first time that UConn fans had the chance to be able to see this team play in a Big East game in the Garden in a decade. Uh, They weren't eligible for the 2013 Big East Tournament. Fans were not allowed in the building during the 2021 Big East Tournament. This is and what well, this was a tradition for so many people. And I'm preaching to the choir here with the group that's going to be listening to this show. Uh, but there's nothing like being in a three-block radius around the garden as the Big East schools pack their favorite local bars. There's nothing like walking past a line of Providence fans trying to get into Jack Dempsey's telling them there's no line at Legends. There is nothing like being in the shadow of the world's most famous arena and yelling, you con, and knowing you're going to hear at least two dozen people yelling Huskies back at you with another two dozen telling you something along the lines of UConn sucks. There is nothing like being in a building with 19,000 of your closest friends, a building that is so split down the middle with fans 
that it is just as loud for one team's fans trying to distract the free throw shooter as it is for the other team's fans when that free throw shooter makes a clutch free throw. There is nothing like a big non-conference, I'm sorry, a big neutral site college basketball game in Madison Square Garden. And there is nothing, nothing like the Big East tournament. And it's just, it's so great to be back there. And it's so great to be able to have this experience and to be able to watch UConn play in a place that isn't in Fort Worth and that isn't against Tulsa and that isn't against East Carolina. It's, it's, it's great. And look, I'm going to need Danny Hurley to start winning some things here pretty soon. You know, eventually the good vibes are going to wear off and you got to actually accomplish something. You got to actually go out and win a Big East regular season title, win a Big East tournament title, get to a final four, blah, 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 whatever. But it's not, that's not there yet. We're in year four of a total rebuild. You know, you got to beat New Mexico state on, uh, on Thursday. I think that we all agree that you got to get past them in the first round of the tournament, but I'm still at the point where if UConn gets dropped by Arkansas, it, it is what it is. Arkansas is going to be favored. They are one of the hottest teams in the country over the course of the last two uh, two months. Um, if they lose that game, it is what it is. I'd love to get to the second weekend. I would love for UConn to get a shot at knocking off the juggernaut that is Gonzaga basketball. But for me, the fact that UConn right now is back to being good enough that I give a fuck about them, that I, I I sweat out every one of their games, and I feel like the heart palpitations are going to be bursting out my eyeballs. Like, that's all I really need at this point. That's all you can really ask for four years into a rebuild. Think about this. The AAC tournament this year was played in an empty arena in Fort Worth where I assure you that no one gave a shit about UConn basketball, where I assure you that there were no rival fans that were going to, uh, be cheering just as loud for Villanova, even despite the fact that their team just got 30 piece by Creighton uh, that then they would for their own team. Cause that's what happened in that building. Uh, I, I was sitting with, with Matt Norlander of CBS sports and he kept saying, I'm telling you, I think there's more Villanova fans in this building than there are UConn fans. And my, my response was no, there are more people in this building that hate UConn because it's about 25% Providence fans in here. Uh, UConn fans dominated that building, as we always do. The Garden is our third home. Everybody knows this. Um, if you can't be excited about where UConn basketball is in this very moment, then I, I don't want to be friends with you. It's that simple. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the bracket. Let's talk about the NCAA tournament, and let's talk about UConn's draw, because I actually think UConn got a pretty difficult draw. I'm going to be joined by an Aggies expert here in just a minute, uh, but big picture. Um, this is not the easiest region to be in. For starters, Arkansas is really, really good, like Final Four good, like top 10 team in the country good. They've won 15 of their last 18 games. They had a chance to win uh, the SEC regular season title despite losing six or seven earlier this season. JT Note is a big, powerful, athletic scoring guard that is a pretty difficult matchup for RJ Cole. Uh, he can win a game all by himself. Uh, they have talented athletic wings and their center Jalen Williams uh, has averaged 14 points over the course of the last two months. And, and he's, he's probably the second best big man in the sec. He's the second best rebounder in the sec. He's talented enough to be able to pull defenders away from the rim. He is 6'10, 245 pounds. I mean, that's, that's a nightmare matchup for Adama Sonogo, but look, Arkansas, I think is good enough to get to a final four. Uh, they are probably good enough to beat Gonzaga. They are, in my mind, the best number four seed 
and probably one of the top 10 teams in college basketball this season. I'm not even going to mention the second weekend. I, I don't want to go there. Um, I don't even really want to talk all that much about Arkansas at this point. We will when we need to. Uh, but until then, let's talk about New Mexico State. Let's talk about the Aggies and let's get into that specific matchup that UConn has right now. Field of 68 Selection Sunday extravaganza will return in just a minute. While we wait, let me tell you guys about our partners over at BracketFanatics.com, the single best website on the internet for you to use to host an NCAA tournament pool for you, for your friends, for your co-workers, and for anyone else that is willing to dive headlong into the madness with you. Why? Well, Bracket Fanatics provides a bracket experience unlike any other. How? Bracket Fanatics is similar to Yahoo and ESPN in the sense that you can invite friends, make picks, and watch those picks go up in flames as the tournament moves along. But what sets Bracket Fanatics apart from the field is that they eliminate the single hardest part of running a pool, the payouts. Everyone that joins your pool must pay an entry fee on the site. Once the tournament ends, Bracket Fanatics will handle the payouts for you based on whatever parameters it is that you set you don't have to worry about chasing down someone like a jeff goodman who loves to try and avoid paying his buy-in whether it's fantasy football whether it's ncaa tournaments whatever it is jeff will try to duck out bracket fanatics eliminates that problem and you can also make side bets all tournament long who doesn't love a good side bet your bracket may be busted but i promise you you can make it all back once john fan's ego starts to get a little bit too big for his britches after he has a great first day of the tournament so head on over to bracketfanatics.com join the field of 68's bracket group the link is in the description below or use the code field once you sign up it is free to enter and it's free to host your own pool so sign up today i don't know why you wouldn't and while i got you here let's talk a little bit about bet rivers sportsbook if you haven't signed up yet bet rivers is the place to go it is the middle of march madness the single greatest week in the history of weeks to bet on sports bet rivers is offering a 250 dollars match bonus for your first deposit but what sets bet rivers apart from all those other books is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money with their new rush pay instant approval withdrawing your winnings is safer it's more secure and it is more reliable i know i use them bet rivers is also running promotion all week long where you can earn as much as ten thousand dollars in bonus prize money here is how it works there are 10 tasks that you need to complete throughout the tournament for the first weekend three to second weekend and three on final four weekend to complete a task all you need to do is place a 25 dollars wager or 25 dollars or more on various ncaa tournament bet types for example in the first weekend these are the four things that you need to do place a bet of 25 dollars or more on a 12 seat to upset a five seat a five leg parlay a future on any team to win the NCAA tournament and win just one single bet on a first round game to advance to the second weekend. Easy enough, right? So with the NCAA tournament kicking off in just three days, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now let me welcome on to Top Dogs, the one and only Sean Paul of Making the Madness and a co-host of mine on the field of 68 after dark. Sean, what's going on, man? How you doing? How are we feeling? Are you ready for March? 
Uh, I can't wait. You know, it's the best time of the year. We get to see a lot of upsets. We'll see if one's happening uh, for UConn, though. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you mentioned on our Selection Sunday Extravaganza live show that you did not like this matchup for New Mexico State. Uh, why? You know, one of the things they do really well is rebound the basketball, and obviously that's one of the things UConn prides themselves on. You look at Adama Sanogo, he's a great rebounder. Isaiah Whaley, he's a really good rebounder. And then you have guys like Andre Jackson and Tyrese Martin who could fly up the perimeter and go steal a rebound from a big man. And that's going to be a problem for New Mexico State. They just aren't as athletic. They aren't as big as a team like UConn. And one thing for New Mexico is they turn the ball over a ton, and they don't shoot the ball very well from outside. So that those are a lot of issues to have against a team like UConn. So talk, talk me through some of their best players. Talk me through, obviously, they got Teddy Allen, um, who has probably played at 17 different colleges by now. It feels like he's been around forever, Teddy Buckets. Uh, but there's some other interesting pieces they have. This is a good basketball team, right? Yeah, I mean, Jabari Rice, he's uh, their point guard at this point. He's six foot four. He's a good player. He just hasn't shot the ball great this year, around 33%. He's been a more efficient player throughout his career. But what I'm looking at here is they're two big men. You're looking at Johnny McCants, who's been there for five years. He's a Las Cruces native. So this is all just playing for his hometown school. He's only shooting 21% from deep. He led them in scoring in their game they lost against Auburn a few years ago. So he's really experienced. He has some solid athleticism and strength. But he, he hasn't had a great year offensively. He's a solid defensive player, but I think he could struggle in this matchup too. And then you're looking at Will McNair. I think he's the biggest key here. He's six foot ten, two seventy-seven. He's a big dude, but he's gonna have his hands full trying to defend Adama Sinogo. He can get in foul trouble pretty fast against a player of Sinogo's caliber. So those two are really going to dictate what happens in this matchup for New Mexico State. They've some it's that's a good program that that Chris James is running out there. There's they've had uh a history of success that, you know, dating back years. Why, why do you think they haven't had as much success pulling off upsets in the tournament as maybe you would expect some of these other programs, some of these other, other mid-major uh, schools that are in their position that have had? I think a lot of it is just kind of matchup related. I mean, you look at that Auburn game a few years ago, that Auburn team went to the final four. Like that, that team was seconds away from playing for a championship and New Mexico state had a chance to beat him. Traveling queen had a pretty solid look from outside. He was pretty much wide open and airballed it. So New Mexico state could have prevented that Auburn final four run from ever happening. And Kyle guy never gets fouled on the three point shot that could have all been prevented. If New Mexico state wins that game, they're a great program. It just, I think it just comes down to matchups, honestly. Yeah. And I think you're right about this, not being a great matchup. Like the, the, the way that you can kind of get to UConn is to be able to pull some of their big guys away from the basket, space the floor, and be able to create mismatches. You know, you could take advantage of RJ Cole and the fact that he's a little bit smaller. You could take advantage of some of their big men on the perimeter if you have uh, pace and space bigs. You can, if you can eliminate Adama Sonogo and his ability to get post touches, then you can kind of, uh, you can take away what they want to be offensively. And I don't think that, New Mexico State really does any of that. Like, they're not a great three-point shooting team. So much of what they do comes in the paint and in the mid-range areas. Uh, there is a lot of length and a lot of athleticism, and that is something that UConn kind of takes away more than anything else. So uh, what? Uh, let's, let's, let's do this. Teddy Buckets, right? How, how good is he? We've seen him at West Virginia. We've seen him at, I believe it was Nebraska as well. Um, mm. how, how good is he, and, and, and what kind of threat is he um, to score the ball? 
Yeah, I mean, he can score from all three levels. He's a lot different than his brother, Timmy Allen, at Texas. Like, Teddy is willing to just let it fly from outside. He's attempting almost seven threes per game, 14 shots per game, averaging around 20 a game. Here's the thing about him. Like, he had 41 in the game against Penn State last year. I think that was his final game with Nebraska, and he had a 41-point game against Abilene Christian earlier this year, a really good defensive team. But there's a lot of up and downs with his scoring game. I mean, he can turn the ball over. And he can just go like one for eight from outside. Like it really depends. He's one of those guys that he's like Bryce Hamilton from UNLV. One of those guys that can just get going and have a 30 point game or he's going to have nine points and his team's going to lose. That's just kind of how it goes with Teddy Allen. And if he's having one of those games where he can't miss, it doesn't matter who's defending him because he's going to make him anyways. And he's going to shoot him anyways. That's what the scores mentality is. That's what Teddy Allen does. He's going to try to get to the basket and draw fouls. He's going to shoot threes. He's going to do it all. But at the end of the day, he has to make the shots for New Mexico State to be able to pull this kind of upset. All right. Let me ask you about the other team in that uh, in that pod. Um, Arkansas is taking on Vermont. I, I went over it a little bit with, with some of my listeners what Arkansas can be already. Talk to me about this Vermont team. How dangerous are they? They they caught fired on the stretch of the season. They beat uh, all three opponents in the America East tournament by 30 plus. The only game that they lost in America East play, they did not have Ryan Davis, who was their best player in leading score. How dangerous mm-hmm. are the Catamounts? And is this uh, are we looking at another TJ Soren team from the parking lot kind of a situation here? I think Vermont wins this game, and that's for partly I like this Vermont team a lot, and partly I'm not super in on this Arkansas team because they're super reliant on J.D. Note, but they're great defensively. But I'll talk about why I love Vermont. They can shoot the three. They're shooting 59% from two-point range, 37% from three-point range, 57% effective field goal percentage, and they defend. They play hard on that end of the floor. Ben Shunk was a very versatile 3-and-D kind of guy. He's having a great year. He has really broken out in his super senior year. And this is an interesting stat because when you're looking at mid-major teams, you typically don't expect them to lead the country in uh, allowing the fewest percentage of offensive rebounds. Like, they allow almost no offensive rebounds, 18.7% of misses go as offensive rebounds, which is the fewest in college basketball. So I think Vermont is just a tough matchup for a team like Arkansas because they're able to score the ball. They can kind of neutralize some of that elite defensive play of Arkansas. And obviously the Razorbacks have that athleticism, that size advantage. But I like the experience and the talent and the coaching of this Vermont team. Ryan Davis and Ben Shungu should be able to have good games. But I think the key is a guy like Finn Sullivan, who it, it kind of replaced Seth Smith in a way, who transferred to St. John's. He's a San Diego transfer shooting 34% from three. He's a guy that, that can really get hot from outside, too. So I'm curious to see what he does in a matchup like this. Yeah. So I'll put a bow on it like this. New Mexico State is the number 82 team on Ken Palm. They are ranked above Virginia. They are ranked above Rich, and they are ranked right behind uh, Maryland, who UConn fans know a little bit too well. Vermont is number 58 on Ken Palm. They are ranked one spot ahead of St. John's, two spots ahead of Miami, who is a 10 seat out of the ACC. Uh, so part of the reason I don't like this draw for the Huskies is there are two really good mid-major teams that are going to give uh, both Arkansas and UConn fights. Uh, right now, Ken Palm projects UConn as a six-point favorite. The, uh, our partners over at Bet Rivers have them as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and I expect this to be a close, hard-fought game. Chris Jans, if there's one thing we know about him, he is great at game planning and uh, and, and dialing up a way to uh, to beat big programs. And if there's one thing we know about UConn, they can, you can scheme against them and create ways to make it very difficult. We saw Providence do it. We saw Creighton do it. And I expect that we're going to see New Mexico State do it. I think UConn gets the win. I think it's going to be a sweat. I don't think you're going to have any nails left by the end of the game. But listen, <laughs> Sean, I appreciate you coming on. 
Um, I appreciate you talking a little bit of Aggies and a little bit of Catamounts with me. And hopefully uh, we'll be talking again, uh, maybe even as soon as Friday night, so I can get your thoughts on uh, on the Catamounts and whether or not you kind of has a chance to get them. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Yes, yeah, it.